1: Good morning, it's 8.30 on Wednesday, May 6th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show...
0: I know it is not easy. I know it is not fair. I also know it is not over.
1: Case and death numbers grow as the governor's clash with the legislature continues. And how salons and barbershops are coping with the safer-at-home order... Then, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, preparing for hurricane season. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. COVID-19 cases and death totals continue to grow as Governor Tate Reeves loosens restrictions on Mississippi businesses. Since announcing the revisions to his safer-at-home order on Monday, the state health department has reported 657 new cases of the disease. During his daily press briefing yesterday, Reeves addressed the ongoing threat of the coronavirus. I know
0: it is not easy. I know it is not fair. I also know it is not over. We have to keep fighting as individuals, and we have to keep fighting as a state. There is a reason that we have not thrown the state wide open. I hear the calls for that every single day. It's really where my instinct goes when I know and see the economic disaster that is in front of us. But I just simply cannot do that in good conscience.
1: State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says the latest case numbers indicate community transmission is still prevalent in some parts of the state. If we look at um, the reasons for
0: our ongoing cases, there's numerous possibilities, but certainly we are having ongoing community transmission community transmission across the state. So everyone needs to be careful. No place in the state is, is free from coronavirus. So we need to maintain all vigilance. We're also seeing outbreak settings, um, especially around nursing homes, and certain counties have a large proportion of our new cases. If we look at the... Um, At the uh, top 12 counties, including Lauderdale, Hines, Scott, Madison, Leake, Carroll, Jones, Neshoba, Forest, Holmes, and Capaya, those 12 counties account for about 50% of of all new cases in the past seven days. So we do have some areas that have enhanced activity where we will be focusing additional efforts trying to make sure that we can diminish transmission as much as possible.
1: The Mississippi Department of Health is continuing its aggressive testing strategy this week through additional one-day collection sites. One site will be available tomorrow in Monroe County at the Becker Community Center in Amory. Anyone experiencing symptoms related to COVID-19 or who has known or potential exposure to someone with COVID-19 and feels they should be tested must first go through a free screening from a UMMC clinician through the C Spire Health UMMC Triage Act. Despite the recent case data, the governor believes the state is headed in the right direction.
0: I really believe that we are containing this as much as we possibly can. Do not mistake my hope and pride in the people of Mississippi for a belief that this cannot get worse. Do not confuse my belief that our strategy is strong with the notion that COVID-19 cannot kill one of your loved ones. There is hope. We are Mississippi. This is America. We have been through hard times and come through all of them stronger. We will get through this as well.
1: As the governor and medical officials navigate health concerns, a battle over CARES Act spending power continues. Governor Reeves continues to express frustration with lawmakers over a bill passed last week that gives appropriation of $1.25 billion in federal funds to the state legislature. Reeves suggests the move jeopardizes the money and implies the results of the November election could put a target on Mississippi.
0: Whether told to do so by the legislature or not, I promise you, the OIG is coming back to get that money. That's just the way it works. That's the way federal money always works. It works works that way in Medicaid, and it's going to work that way in the CARES Act. That's just a fact. That is an undeniable fact. And I will tell you, if the Trump administration gets reelected, and I am going to work as hard as I can if we ever get beyond this virus to make sure that happens – The Trump administration's OIG is going to make sure those monies are spent appropriately. And if President Trump doesn't get reelected, and God, I hope that's not the case, but if he doesn't, then there's going to be an OIG that works for a Democrat in Washington that's going to have their eyes set on a red state in Mississippi. I'm just telling you. And again, I'm not mad at anybody about it. I'm not, doing, I, I'm not trying to threaten anybody, I'm just simply telling you this is what's going to happen. I actually have written on paper numerous times where it is the belief of the Department of Treasury that the chief executives are going to administer these funds. It is uh, my opinion that if the legislature goes in a different route, it is my opinion that not just a $1 dollar or a hundred dollars or a hundred million dollars are going to be at risk, my view is that the entire $1.25 billion may be at risk. And I'm just curious if that is a risk worth taking.
1: The legislature will reconvene tomorrow with plans to create a program to assist small businesses across the state. Ahead of the session, House Speaker Philip Gunn issued a letter to the governor expressing concerns over the now very public dispute between the two branches. He says in part during this time of pandemic, when people are already anxious and under stress, now is not the time as leaders to add fear into their lives. The statements we have heard from you seem to be designed to do just that. That. These statements are inaccurate, incorrect, and serve no purpose other than to scare people into agreeing with your position. It continues, we would request that you stop attempting to sensationalize the situation and work with the legislature to solve the issues before us. Next, how salons and barbershops are coping with the safer at home order. This is Mississippi edition.
2: This is MBB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission.
1: Restaurants and bars are set to reopen tomorrow following revisions to the governor's safer-at-home order. But salons and barbershops remain closed. Lindsay Cash with Vamp the Salon in Jackson says she wants to work with state leaders to develop a plan to reopen salons soon while also keeping customers safe. She tells our Kobe Vans selling product is not enough.
3: We're not a... Product based business. We do sell products, shampoos and hairsprays, um, but with people not going anywhere, they're not really needing styling products. Um, so we've been able to sell um, a small amount of products to generate a little bit of income there, um, not enough to even pay the light bill or the rent, honestly. Um, so, you know, in a salon or a barbershop, even you generate revenue by having clients in your chairs and performing services on those people. And with us being mandated to shut down or even electively shutting down, we have no way possible to generate any revenue for our business. So not only has the business taken almost a complete and total hit, but our stylists have taken taken a 100% hit on their incomes. Um, they've had the ability to produce anything for their families they've had it completely taken away from them with no real end in sight
4: and as more businesses begin to be able to reopen like um as the governor keeps opening more places does it feel unfair that your businesses keep getting left out of that
3: absolutely it feels unfair i don't doubt in fact i feel strongly that tate reeves cares deeply for our state, and I can't imagine the tremendous pressures that he is under. He seems to have faced every disaster he possibly could in such a short amount of time since taking office, Um, so I'm not really understanding where the disconnect is. Why does it feel like he cares about Mississippians in general, but we feel that we're being overlooked, and he keeps mentioning mentioning us and bringing us up, but yet we're being left out of the plan and out of the reopening, and it does feel like we're being singled out, and we're not really understanding why. Um, you know, the salon industry is predominantly a female owned and operated industry, especially in the South, a southern state like Mississippi. It is mostly women who own salons and work behind the chairs and so we're just kind of feeling like we're left out here a little high and dry with no solution on the table
1: lindsey cash owns vamp the salon in jackson ridgeland barber armundo robinson chose to close his shop before it was mandated he said keeping his customers safe is a top priority but there are still bills to pay and it's been difficult
2: i did um just recently uh, got lucky and got a hold of the PPP loan. Uh, so that's definitely helped a little bit. Had to file for unemployment. Unemployment just came in, but definitely not um, nothing to keep an a establishment up float, you know. So, yeah, it's been a little difficult.
4: Do you think that the shutdown has been is going to help in the long run, or do you think it would be better to just get to get things back open now and just kind of deal with it?
2: Well, me, uh, being a realist, I think it'll actually help. You know, so I understand. You know, I don't like the fact that we're sitting down, but I definitely understand why we're sitting down, and it's pretty much uh, uh, it's a need for this sit down right now because uh, it is. Uh, it's spreading, you know, and the only way we can kind of die that down is to spread out and uh, be stationed at home right now. So I'm I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, I definitely think that's uh, that's the way to go.
4: What would it uh, take to what What kind of assistance would it take to be able to continue on? Uh,
5: it'd pretty much take
2: if if. Like once the PPP money run out, if uh we're not back in the shop, if they can uh grant another PPP loan that is actually forgiven instead of looked at as a loan to where we gotta pay back, uh that that could definitely keep us up floating.
4: What's been what's been things like with clients? Have they been concerned during this time?
2: Yeah, yeah, my clients uh, they they very uh we go past the client stage. It's, it's more like my friends, friends and family. Uh, so they definitely reach out and check on us to make sure uh, we we're okay. And a, a good majority of them honestly ask me um, to reach out if I if I need anything for the assistance with keeping the shop upfloat. So yeah, we are uh, we very thankful for the clients.
1: Armundo Robinson is a barber from Ridgeland. The Governor's Safer at Home order expires May 11th. Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, preparing for hurricane season. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute.
3: I've got esophagus problems, stretches and shrinks a lot, might have to go to Jackson and get this surgery where they go in through the
1: mouth and they clip the muscles that cause a spasm.
4: The fancy term for it is esophageal myomectomy. For everybody else who's not familiar with this, esophageal strictures, the esophagus, of course, is the tube that goes from the throat down into uh, the stomach the upper part of the stomach and it's a muscular tube that helps to propel food down as it contracts and normally it contracts rhythmically from the top to the bottom Uh, sometimes you can get strictures or scar tissue or sometimes you can have uh, esophageal spasm which is that muscle is not appropriately pulling food down so it's spasming just like you would get a muscle spasm uh, in your leg or a muscle I- anywhere else in your body. So uh, a couple of different ways that they can uh, treat that is the EGD is where they stick that lighted scope down into the esophagus and they can do some testing while they're there. They can also do some interventions. Botox has been used pretty effectively uh, at least short term. Uh, So they make these little injections in the wall of the esophagus to help loosen those muscles up. The drawback from that is in a lot of patients, it doesn't last very long. So after doing that a couple of times, if it's not working, then they can move on to further procedures. What they do with this other procedure is they put the same type of scope down and look at that wall, and then they'll make some incisions into the muscular layer uh, to try to loosen that up. And those work a little bit better over the long term than the Botox. Of course, any kind of procedure like that, you want to be sure you're asking about the risk, uh, what kind of benefits, what to expect afterwards, so you can get all that information. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio
1: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. It's Hurricane Preparedness Week, and the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency is asking residents to begin considering plans for the looming storm season. With the added challenge of COVID-19, MEMA Director Greg Michelle says the agency is addressing necessary considerations for response operations, sheltering, and evacuation plans.
5: We have uh, put themes out and give, giving everybody one thing per day that we want them to think about and review. And, uh, of course, on Sunday, it was determining your risk, basically doing an assessment of where you reside in the state. And should a storm hit, depending on its magnitude, what, what could the potential effects be on you and how is it going to affect you from an evacuation standpoint or not? You need to know how you're going to go and where you're going to go. So depending on where you are in the state, based on the evacuation routes, uh, and depending on whether or not contraflow, you wait long enough for contraflow to be enacted, all of those things will affect how you go. And then the big question is, where are you going to go? Because everyone needs to have a place to go uh, in the event of a hurricane. We just need everybody to start thinking about not only hurricane season and what you typically would plan for, but giving the uniqueness of hurricane season during a pandemic environment how does that change things? and before we get and to some your, of
1: those details let me ask you what should go in your supply kit regardless of covid19 what should be in there
5: yeah all right good question so um, your basic things that we recommend going to supply kit three three to five days worth of uh of food and water okay so these are going to be non-perishable items things that you can put in a in a chest or uh, a, a quick go bag or something like that you also want to make sure that you've got um Flashlights, batteries, um, chargers, given the event that you get to a shelter somewhere that you can, you know, recharge your phones, uh, or the devices, you know, have extra chargers in there. Uh, want to make sure that you've got, if you're taking prescription medication, you want to have also a three to five day supply, the emergency supply of prescriptions. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm the world's, world's worst about at times, you know, getting down to the, to, to the last, to the last, um, you know, the last dose and, and then be out. So you want to make sure that you've got the extra days of that. If you've got children, you want to make sure that you have the appropriate, uh, depending on if they're very young children, you want to make sure that you have enough enough diapers and wipes and things like that for them um, and, and appropriate food. If you have pets, you got to take care of your pets. So basically three to five days of sustainment items for you and your family and pets if that applies.
1: What about... Uh... You should, should you keep your your gas tank filled up or at least above halfway all the time or when a uh, when a hurricane threatens or what do you recommend
5: yeah I, I just i think people once we get into start getting more into the in the heart of this of course this year we're talking about you know the hurricane season and hurricanes maybe coming in a little earlier um, i just think you need to be mindful when a report start coming about and we we see these tropical depressions forming it's important that you you keep your tanks in uh, your vehicles uh, full of full of gas. If you've got a spare vehicle, definitely keep that one topped off, um, because getting access, you know, getting fuel, um, you know, you'll better get to the fuel. It's just going to be a matter of being able to how long it's going to take for you to get wait in line. So definitely keep you keep your cars uh, as full or as close to full as you can of fuel during this time.
1: Colonel Michelle, have you heard any projections from the Hurricane yeah. Center?
5: Yeah, we've been getting, and of course, you know. Uh, you know, I want, to, I, want to, uh, I want to preface what I'm about to say that, you know, that, that models and opinions and, and projections can vary and be all over the map. But the bottom line is yes, we have heard projections and they're based on one core thing. The temperature in the Gulf of Mexico are some of the hottest, uh, some of the warmest on record. Uh, going back to 1993, I believe, and going back, are some of the warmest temperatures. So very record temperatures, which make for a potentially volatile um, uh, environment for hurricanes and this is specific to the Atlantic Basin, which includes the Atlantic Ocean, the Gulf of Mexico, and the Caribbean, and due to these warm temperatures, they're expecting stronger storms. Most of the models are showing anywhere from 16 to 18 storms. Uh, Of those storms, they're saying that um, about half of those storms are projected to form in the Gulf of Mexico. They're also predicting that the season would be active earlier rather than later this year. You know, we've seen the past, Hurricane season kind of dragging way out to the very end of the hurricane season. This year, they're talking about um, uh, these storms occurring and forming earlier this season. So we're watching everything very closely.
1: And hurricane season is a six-month season, so that's a lot of time we're looking forward to. Yeah. What is MEMA doing to address new challenges, not only in response, but preparedness, given the COVID-19 pandemic?
5: Yeah, that's a great question, and I get that a lot. And one of the things that we're doing is we're talking with our emergency management directors, um, not only just in the lower six counties but all over the state, uh, more regularly and more frequently. And what's encouraging is that the uh, emergency management directors, you know, dealing with uh, and responding to natural disasters in Mississippi is unfortunately not something that they aren't accustomed to. But what I have found is during this pandemic there's been a lot more um a lot more request for engagement collectively which I like uh, we're going to conduct a call probably this weekend and we're going to talk about nothing but hurricane preparation and planning crosstalk some of the ideas things you know things such as what in shelters putting up putting up batting material uh, so you can separate your sleeping areas if you have to put and, and violate even the number of people obviously if you put a lot of people in a shelter, you may not be able to maintain uh, the numbers, but we can at least put things in play that would prevent the spread of COVID. You know, um, uh, should should that should it be an issue, and in, uh, in putting monitoring stations in place. Um, so all of these have, these types of environments, this has uh, generated discussions that we typically would not be having at this point in the game, but we are, and that's a good thing.
1: Is Mema's website a resource for um, preparation?
5: Absolutely. These talking points that we, we talked about, uh, my communications uh, uh, director has done a wonderful job about putting stuff out every day this week about things for folks to think about. We're also tied into uh, Mississippi Department of Transportation's uh, evacuation routes. They do an outstanding job of, of clearly articulating and identifying where those routes are. And, um, and if those routes get blocked and, and identifying alternate routes, all of that's tied to our, to our website. And we push uh, storm updates as well. When storms start forming and we start tracking those storms, we put daily updates out there to make sure people aware about where that storm is, what the potential of that storm is, um, in um, in challenging Mississippi.
1: Colonel Greg Michelle is the executive director of MEMA, the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Colonel Michelle, thanks so much for being with us.
5: Karen, thank you as always.
1: Hurricane season begins June first.